making, but that is the worst and most unsatisfactory process of the lot. There is nothing so sordid as that. Oh, I don't know, Gurdon laughed. It is better to be a multimillionaire than a king today. Take the case of this man Fenwick, for instance. The papers are making more fuss of him than if he were the President of the United States or royalty traveling incognito. Venner smiled more or less contemptuously. He turned to take a casual glance at a noisy party who had just come into the dining room, for the frivolous note jarred upon him. Almost immediately the little party sat down, and the decorous air of the room seemed to subdue them. Immediately behind them followed a man who came dragging his limbs behind him, supported on either side by a servant. He was quite a young man, with a wonderfully handsome, clean-shaven face. Indeed, so handsome was he, that Venner could think of no more fitting simile for his beauty than the trite old comparison of the Greek god. The man's features were perfectly chiseled, slightly melancholy and romantic, and strongly suggestive of the early portraits of Lord Byron. Yet, all the same, the almost perfect face was from time to time twisted and distorted with pain, and from time to time there came into the dark, melancholy eyes a look of almost malignant fury. It was evident that the newcomer suffered from racking pain, for his lips were twitching, and Venner could see that his even white teeth were clenched together. On the whole, it was a striking figure to intrude upon the smooth gaiety of the dining room, for it seemed to Venner that death and the stranger were more than casual acquaintances. He had an idea that it was only a strong will which kept the invalid on this side of the grave. The sufferer sank at length with a sigh of relief into a large armchair, which had been specially placed for him. He waved the servants aside as if he had no further use for them, and commenced to study his menu, as if he had no thought for anything else. Venner did not fail to note that the man had the full use of his arms, and his eye dwelt with critical approval on the strong, muscular hands and wrists. "'I wonder who that fellow is,' he said. "'What a magnificent frame he must have had before he got so terribly broken up!' "'He is certainly a fascinating personality,' Gurdon admitted. "'Somehow he strikes me not so much as the victim of an accident, "'as an unfortunate being who is suffering from the result "'of some terrible form of vengeance. "'What a character he would make for a story! "'I am ready to bet anything in reason "'that if we could get to the bottom of his history "'it would be a most dramatic one. "'It regularly appeals to the imagination.' I can quite believe our friend yonder has dragged himself out of bed by sheer force of will, to keep some appointment whereby he can wreak his long-nursed revenge. Not in a place like this, Venner smiled. Why not? In the old days these things used to be played out to the accompaniment of thunder and lightning on a blasted heath. Now we are much more quiet and gentle in our methods. It is quite evident that our handsome friend is expecting someone to dine with him. He gives a most excellent dinner to his enemy— points out his faults in the most gentlemanly fashion, and then proceeds to poison him with a specially prepared cigar. I can see the whole thing in the form of a short story. Venner smiled at the conceit of his companion. He was more than half inclined to take a sentimental view of the thing himself. He turned to the waiter to give some order, and as he did so, his eyes encountered two more people, a man and a woman, who at that moment entered the dining room. The man was somewhat past middle age, with a large bald head, covered with a shining dome of yellow skin, and a yellow face lighted by a pair of deep-sunk dark eyes. The whole was set off and rendered sinister by a small hook nose and a little black moustache. For the rest, the man was short and inclined to be stout. 
he walked with a wonderfully light and agile step for a man of his weight. In fact, he seemed to reach his seat, much as a cat might have done. Indeed, despite his bulk, there was something strangely feline about the stranger. Venner gave a peculiar gasp and gurgle. His eyes started. All the blood receded from his brown face, leaving him ghastly white under his tan. It was no aspect of fear, rather one of surprise, of strong and unconquerable emotion. At the same moment, Venner's hand snapped the stem of his wine glass, and the champagne frothed upon the table. "'Who is that man?' Venner asked of the waiter. His tone was so strained and harsh that he hardly recognized his own voice. "'Who is that man, I say? No, no, I don't mean him. I mean that stout man with the lady in white over there.' The waiter stared at the speaker in astonishment. He seemed to wonder where he had been all these years. "'That, sir, is Mr.' "'That, sir, is Mr. Mark Fenwick. 